Welcome to the podcast that teaches you how to transform your life and your business. Here is your host, Rick Hyland, and this is CI for Life. Hey, welcome to another CI for Life podcast. I'm Rick Hyland. I'm with here with my very special guest, Sophie Delorier from Toronto, Canada. Sophie, how are you today? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? Oh, wonderful. Awesome to have you on the program. Excited to hear about your story and some of the things you do as an executive and sales coach, etc. But before we jump in, Sophie, tell us a little bit about your background and history and, and where you've come from. Um, so I will give you a very brief background about my childhood. I had a fairly tumultuous childhood when I was young. My parents divorced when I was two. Um, my mom was in a pretty bad electrocution accident where she burnt the nerve endings of her feet. So she couldn't walk, Ouch. uh, for about five years. Yeah. So it was a pretty serious, um, incident that created some trauma in the household. Yeah. And, uh, she married an abusive alcoholic when I was, uh, about 16 years old. So I was in and out of women's shelter. So it just gives you a little bit of like an idea of what the childhood was like when, that I grew up in. I went to university. I opened a college pro painting franchise and unfortunately it didn't go as well as I had hoped it to. Uh, so that was really my first experience in business. My second experience in business was a few years later when I opened up a spa. We did well. We had started with no clients at that spa and we started generating $50,000 a month within six months. But unfortunately, three years later, that business went bankrupt. I was a naturally born good salesperson because I knew how to ask questions. I knew how to listen. I mm -hmm. knew how to provide a solution. And the most important thing that I find is the big challenge for salespeople is I knew how to ask for the close. I was always so excited for what I, the conversation I just had. And I was always just interested in, are you, do you want it? Like, basically, do you want this? This is pretty much the question that I would ask. And Why wouldn't you want this? <laughs> right? Like, right. You came here. You, you had questions. I just, you know, it was, it was a mindset. This product's amazing. <laughs> yeah. All yeah. of those things. I then developed myself as a coach. I wanted to uh, grow and develop myself. I got into personal leadership, married sales and coaching, married, married sales and leadership together. And then I started traveling across North America I worked for large organizations, like in the States, I worked for BlackRock and US Cellular. I worked for iShares here, I worked for Manulife, Bell, BMO, like that. And I specifically worked with the sales side of the organization. I would work with the leaders and teach them how to be more coach-like in their leadership so that they could really mm. motivate their people rather than just tell them what to do. There's a I big difference. Yeah. It's important to be able to do that as a leader and to get alignment to your strategic vision. I mean, it makes no difference how good your strategy is. If your people don't align, you're like, it's going to be hard to execute. Yeah. And then to work with the actual sales team, I would work with prospect. I taught them how to do prospecting. I taught them the different sales skills. And then we specifically worked on the process. So how do you open a, how do you have a consultative sales meeting? So how do you get to a meeting and open the conversation? How do you identify the need? How do you position your solution? How do you present? How do you negotiate like that? I did that for several years and then I got fairly burnt out. I went to work on my personal life. I got a divorce after 18 years. Uh, this was about five years ago. During that same time, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm. I uh, refused treatment. I was 42 years old. I had repartnered and I refused treatment because the one thing that I really wanted to do that I hadn't done was to try to have a baby. Mm -hmm. I had experienced myself in many different roles, 
performance oriented type roles, but I hadn't been a mother. The big excuses I use is I had no time and I had no money. But at the age of 42, I couldn't use those excuses anymore. And, you know, when the doctors tell you you have cancer and they, you think your choice is being taken away, it creates a whole new emotional experience and it helped me prioritize what I really wanted in life. I didn't want to go on another beach or be in another country, wear another pair of fancy shoes or drive in another Lamborghini or whatever it was. I had done that, but I didn't know what it was like to have the bond of being a parent to a child. The doctor sat me down. Um, they were not overly thrilled with my decision because having a baby meant that cancer could reoccur. It was a pretty, it was a contraindication to my, my healing. And I chose to do it anyways. Eight months after my lungectomy, we were blessed with a baby boy. And uh, three weeks after I conceived, we went into the pandemic. Oh, <laughs> so you know a little bit about adversity and trial and overcoming those things. And heartbreak. Yeah. yeah and I saw, heartbreak. I saw a great post last week from Ed Sheeran talking about, and you know, arguably one of the most popular pop stars in the world or and uh talking about how important failure was in his success and uh yes. people you know do anything to avoid failure or you know once they're in it they but he's talking about the importance of really learning from it and that that's what made him successful is when he failed and tried to reinvent or redo um any comments on that yeah, I would say I failed forward. I would say people mm. ask me, you know, I'm still, I'm not, I'm not young anymore. I'm 47 years old, but I'm not, not young. 47's young, Sophie. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> it's all uh, relative, right? Yeah, right. Like I'm at 20 <laughs> um, and I've accomplished quite a bit. And people ask me where I got my confidence given I don't come from, I don't come from from a family that was able to pass down business acumen or learning. And um, to your point, I failed a lot and I learned and action breeds confidence in my opinion. And I keep myself in action. And um, I think, you know, when I was younger, it was easier to pick myself up from failure than it is these days, but I'm still doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's a great point. Um Okay, so you've you've given us a whole bunch already, but I want to pick on a couple of the terms that you talk about. Sure. Um, one, um, I'm dying to ask you about sales, but I'll, I'll I'll be patient on that one. But you gave so many little uh, good cues right there already. You have something called the Power Program. Tell me about the Power Program and what that does to help um, individuals or business people. So I feel that at this point in time in my life, I'm an expert in heartbreak. I feel I went through a divorce. There's a heartbreak. We consciously uncoupled. I don't think that that absolves any human being from being heartbroken after 18 years of being in a relationship. Um, at the same time, I went through cancer. I think that anybody who loses their health or thinks they're going to lose their health, there is a heartbreak in and around that. I thought that perhaps I failed myself or perhaps the universe was failing me. I had to walk away from a very thriving business through the divorce. That was a big loss for me. Uh, and then we had the pandemic. I do believe that every single person in this world who went through the pandemic, which is all of us, had some form of heartbreak. To lose our liberties in that way, I think, was heartbreaking. And I think that when a human goes through 
that level of heartbreak, there's a sense, of, like for me anyways, there was a loss of power. You know, I had a loss of identity, a loss of confidence, self-doubt comes in, and there's a loss of power. And so I went into retirement. My son became two years old. I decided, you know, it's time for me to go back to work. I actually didn't think I was going to go back to work, but I got, to be honest with you, bored. And I thought, what am I going to do with myself? And I thought, you know, if there was anything I'm going to support people in, because coaching and leadership is still my thing. It's like, I really want to support people to be able to reclaim their power. So when you're in the midst of the darkness, we can really get stuck there easily based on how our mind is going. And this program really helps people focus on forward momentum, on forward movement, on looking to the future versus staying stuck in the past. Mm -hmm. So we do a whole piece around vision, which helps you to visualize what you want your yourself, your future self. What's the new version of you you want to bring in? Like, what does that person look like? What does the relationship look like? What does your life look like? It's about creating a whole new vision for yourself. And then it's about working on your identity. So like, what is the thoughts, the feelings, the actions, the behaviors that this new version of yourself engages in? And how do we let go of everything that's not in alignment of that? And then we go to work on emotional regulation because your emotions, let's just face it, can hijack you and take you out of the game and throw you into shame and guilt cycles if you're not handling yourself in a mature way. And I believe that when we go through heartbreak, it's a little more challenging to act as an adult. And so we will go to work on integrating, you know, your past wounds and your triggers and your your inner child. And we go to work on helping you regulate your emotions so you can show up in your adult self. And then we go through forgiveness. Uh, forgiveness is a really big part of healing and moving forward. And then the last piece is about collaborative communication. So like, how do we communicate in a direct and honest way where we're being elegant and graceful, communicating our needs and our boundaries and our non-negotiables, listening to our partner honestly, and how do we approach conflict so that we can resolve it in a partnership-oriented way? So it's not like right and wrong and blame and withhold. It's all toxic communication styles. This is more about we're partners in this relationship. So how do we get both of our needs met? How do we respect each other? How do we approach conflict? And how do we come up with solution in a win-win scenario rather than power and control? Right. So there's a lot of leadership and even some sales, like the stuff that I do in like in specifically in the communication piece is the same sort of stuff I would do in sales. It's just a different context. Yeah. Yeah. Whether you're talking, I love that, right? Like you, it's beautiful when you can learn something at work and bring it home to help your home relationships and vice versa. Right. Yeah. Um, so let's deep dive. I love that power program, helping people reclaim their power. Let's deep dive into a couple of the topics that I think uh, the listeners of this podcast will be uh, interested in, or I hope they will, uh, forgiveness. What, yes. what If I'm going to be the best executive, the best entrepreneur, the best mother, the best whatever, fill in the blank, mm -hmm. um, what role does forgiveness play in helping me become that very best I, leader I can be, coach I can be, mother I can be, father, etc.? So, I mean, I can contextualize it in a couple of different ways for you. So when we don't forgive, it's like we're walking around with what we call baggage. I mean, I think everybody knows the term, but what's inside the suitcase? <laughs> I'm not sure we actually talk about what's inside the suitcase. What's inside the suitcase is a lack of trust and insecurity issues. 
So now if you're a leader and you're walking around with a lack of trust, your inability to trust your sales team, or let's just do that because that's my experience, or you're not able to trust your other leaders, let's say you're a VP and you have directors as a direct report and you can't trust them. Mm. That's that like I can hear it in your tone of voice. Like you you will not get the best performance out of your direct reports if you can't trust them to step up to the plate to do the job. And so you might show up as authoritative. You may do or, the work for them. Right. Or hi- highly anxious and, and uh, in their face, you know, and, and micromanage. Micromanage. Ah, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. And people just don't perform well like that. They just don't. Yeah. So yeah. controlling your anxieties and, and trusting in the process and in people, that is a great point. Uh, that, would, that would make any person a better leader. Uh, yeah. And you have to believe in them. Yeah. And believe in others and trust yourself and trust others. Um, oh, excellent. Okay. Any other insights on forgiveness? Yes. So I believe that forgiveness gives us the opportunity. See, when you can't forgive, you're stuck in renumerating in this negative spin. And the negative spiral can really create disharmony in the body. For So for one, it's just not good for our emotional body or spiritual body. It can create dis-ease and physically that can be harmful for us. So there's that aspect of it. But when you can forgive, it gives you an opportunity to look back at a past relationship. So let's just go with the executive example for a minute. If you can look back at your, let's just say, you know, I'm a director. I had a previous relationship who was a VP. I'm not, I'm, I'm able to forgive whatever that relationship was. Now you can look back and learn what worked for you, what didn't work for you. How did you show up in that relationship? How would you like to show up differently? What triggered you? How are you going to handle those triggers differently? Same thing in a love relationship. You know, if you have an ex and you're able to forgive even if it's unforgivable, you're able to forgive that. You can take radical responsibility, which is the only place to grow from, and learn. Take some insight so that in the new relationship, you don't repeat old patterns yeah. and stay in a and stay in a victim mindset. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, this has uh, parallels to marriage and partnership that way. That intense relationship. But I like your point. Like at work, how many times do we? you know, not forgive somebody. We're carrying that baggage. It, it, it carries not in our body, not just in our body and our tone, but also that relationship is fractured. And so my ability to work with that individual is fractured and, and him or her will be less effective. And so will I. So Mm -hmm. it has a big impact at work as well, not just home. Mm -hmm. Love it. And, and if you can't forgive what happened in, let's just say an old position or an old job or an old company, you, you might see the new boss, your new team, your new company through the same lens. Mm. And you actually may be missing out on the gift that's right there. Cause you, you, it's called real, not real. Like you can't distinguish what's actually happening in the moment or what's actually a triggered memory so you can't show up as your best leader, your best self in front of your people because you're still stuck over there. Yeah. Yeah, I love this. It's not just a religious concept or uh even a home concept. This this concept is much needed at work. I heard a story one time that uh I'll make the abbreviated version of it, but it'll tie into your thought there's uh, a couple was moving into a, a neighborhood and and the real estate sign was up and they course went and toured the house but they thought you know let's just check out the neighborhood 
So they knocked on the neighbor's door and said, you know what? We're thinking of buying this house next door. What do you think of the neighborhood? Uh, you know, is it safe? Are there good people? Blah, blah, blah. And he says, the, the wise old gentleman says to them, well, tell me about your last neighborhood. Oh, we loved it. The people were great. They were open. They were communicated. And then the old guy says, well, that's how this neighborhood will be for you then. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's great. Right? Meaning yeah, take that. responsibility, uh, how you show up and, and how you connect with others is the motivating factor or the number one driver in your ability to then build relationships and connect with people, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, that reminded me of that when you told that work story of the individual yeah. that can, can't forgive. Very nice, Sophie. I love it. Okay. Another one of my favorite topics. We always talk about IQ in school and in work, but more and more today, we're talking about the importance of having emotional capacity to deal with the ups and downs of performance, successes, people, the whole thing. So tell me about how you coach leaders and people on emotional regulation and how to develop more of it. <laughs> okay, so let's use sales because sales is my background and it's what I'm strongest in. So if you're a sales leader, a VP of sales, let's just say, or a director of sales, and you have a team, your direct reports, and I don't know, somebody doesn't close the deal. Okay, this is the deal that you're going to need to close for your year end and it just doesn't get closed. And it, and it, whatever that is. And, and, and it should have been closed and it got messed up. Okay. okay, this is this was a no-brainer deal that was supposed to get closed. The amount of emotional, let's say, rage <laughs> that a human might feel. I mean, sales is spicy. Like it's 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 there's a pulse. It's a high to pressure it. environment. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, if you're a director and your VP's down your neck, or your VP and the CEO or the owner's down your neck, or you're a salesperson and you're you know, like whatever way you are in the line. And if something goes wrong, there's going to be a sense of failure or a sense of guilt or a sense of shame um, or a sense of anger or a sense of rage. So if you're a leader who's somebody who is a little bit more hot and passionate, it could come out like anger and frustration. And if you're not able to manage that, the way you communicate onto another human could be very damaging for their own psyche and which can affect their performance and so if you're not able to regulate that feeling you can cause a lot of disruption amongst your team but to you as a human the person the leader could also go into a guilt and shame cycle and then that's just a whole other emotional thing that they have to go through and then they have to repair the relationship and then there's a trust breakage and then there's like how do we get the direct report to feel confident and safe in the relationship again, to feel worthy so that they go back out and sell? Like it's a whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> it so, really is. I, I agree completely. So <laughs> how can I develop more emotional capacity to deal with that as a sales leader? So for me, it all comes down to awareness. And I think a lot of us specifically, unfortunately, it's not just men. I don't want to say it's just men, but more men are not necessarily as in tune with their feelings, I specifically, especially older men. And I'm not even going to say it's their fault. We have not conditioned men to be okay with their feelings. Society tells men all the time, it's not okay to feel your feelings, to suppress your feelings, to be dominant, to perform like that. So I think the number one most important thing is to start to create awareness. And have conversation, like two-way conversations with men and women about like, how are they feeling? Why, what triggered them? 
what's the wound underneath that trigger? You know, if somebody blew a sales quota, that person's wound underneath it might be, you know, fear of rejection or fear of failure or fear of abandonment. Like it goes a little bit deeper and then going to work on that, you know, and, um, it's sad for me because I have been one of very few women in, in the room of men. And I was often 10 years younger than the men in the room. And I, I know what it's like to be in a room of high-performing men and to have them be emotional and to see a few of them not be able to manage their emotions in such a way that it, 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 it's like they're so good at what they do. And yet it's just this peace that stops them from being able to excel even further or to even lead people because they just can't manage their own emotional body. So it comes down to awareness for me. Yeah. And it's such an important skill and we don't teach it in school and we don't learn it anywhere. And we're supposed to somehow figure it out once we start interacting with humans on a everyday basis. Um, is there any readings or books or anything that you've learned from or would recommend to people to oh. learn more on? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I can't really think of the books right now, and it's a it's been sporadic for me. But I think if somebody wants to do some Google work or you know Chat GPT is probably a good resource and talk about um, Google, um, like I would go to Chat GPT. I just find that to be one of the best resources these days. And how do I regulate my emotions? Um, how do I recognize my self sabotaging behavior? Because mostly, what's happening is our emotions get triggered and then we engage in this cycle and it's sabotaging us. And yeah. when we can be become aware of what that sabotaging cycle is and we can, it's called like be conscious. Like, okay, I know I, I, I feel, Oh, I feel it. I feel it's coming. Like when you can get to aware to be that, that feeling's coming, I'm not going to, this is not going to go well. You like some of us can actually get to the point that I don't think this is going to go well. Yeah. Then there's steps to take breathe, end the conversation and ask to reschedule it for a better time. Because in that moment, it's okay to not be able to, to regulate, but it's not okay to project and vomit it all over somebody. So yeah, so your question was, is what do they search? So chat GPT, I would do, uh, how do I find my sabotaging strategies? How do I overcome my sabotage strategies? How do I know what my triggers are? How do I talk to my inner child? Reparenting, how do I reparent like that? Yeah. Um, and how do I forgive myself inside of yeah. that? I've made those mistakes. And the other application area, and you've you've mentioned it in sales, is that I've, I've seen people blow up in front of clients because they were triggered, uh, right? Uh. Last place they want, <laughs> right? You're supposed to be on your very best, right? Yeah. You're trying to pitch and sell and, and buy this incredible product. And yet they have a trigger point. The client gets mad at them and then they get defensive and, you know, and so... Yeah, it can, it can not only help you in your internal, but also in your external work in, in sales and with clients as well, correct? Well, who you are in relationship is who you are in relationship. Yeah, you can't hide it forever. It's going to come out. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay, so sales teams, you've given us already a couple of, uh, you know, passion and interest and and uh, open-ended questions. Tell, tell me a little bit more about the work you do with sales teams and the process you take them through. Um, so specifically, it's about identifying skill gaps. Okay. Um, for me, if I'm going to develop a human, uh, specific, if I'm going to develop a salesperson, somebody like frontline, um, I want to understand what their skill gaps are. So there's the mindset piece. Let's figure out where their mind is at. But let's just put that aside because it's a little bit more complicated. 
So in prospecting, there's like, how do you make the call? What are you asking when you're on the call? How are you preparing for the call? Right? How are you booking the meeting? So there's there's a process in how do you pick up the phone to book the meeting, to pick up the prospecting call. Yep. And so I would observe them and I would identify, okay, what do they have already implemented in their process and what's missing? And then I would help them put that in. And then let's talk about when we're actually at the sales call. So I'm not I'm not somebody who could teach you online sales. That's not the type of sales that I do. It's more in-person, face-to-face, yep. tradition, more of a traditional old school type of sale, which is just still very prevalent. Yep. But it's like, okay, so we're in the meeting. How do okay. you open the conversation? Like, how are you setting the tone? How are you setting the context? How did you prepare for the questions so that you can identify the need? How, how deep are you identifying the need? How many needs are you identifying? Are you just going for one or three? I recommend you go for three needs. Mm. How are you listening and reiterating back what the client says so the client knows that they're being heard and understood? How are you asking questions of the clients? Like, I never thought of that before. Meaning, like, you're getting into the client's world and now having the client think about things that they're going to need and a solution that they didn't even know. Like, my whole philosophy is, is it's our job to help the client figure out what they need. That's why they got us there. They don't necessarily always know what they need. Otherwise, they just go buy whatever it was that was going to solve it for them. Yep. Um, so true. So it's about really like questioning and listening, questioning and listening. And then how do you like regurgitate it back or repeat it back, whatever the word is that you want to use. And then it's about how do you package your presentation, your solution? How are you putting that together? And how are you bridging the solution back to the very specific need that they had? And then how are you communicating how that's going to impact what their goals are, whether that's an operational goal or a revenue goal or an, a people goal, like we need to make sure that we understand the stra- their strategy. I didn't talk about that, but like, how are we identifying what the strategy is? And then how are we tying back the solution to fill the need that lines up to the strategy? I think that's the best, uh, the strongest sales approach is when you can, when you talk strategy, you talk a big game. If you're yeah. just talking... And you're tying it into the needs you've already heard them because you've asked a great question to figure out what... Yeah their needs are. I love it. So here's the biggest error I see on passionate salespeople. And I, this will support what you said and might have another insight uh, off of it, but let's say you only have 30 minutes for your pitch. It's face-to-face as you've, as you've articulated. And uh, I am super passionate about my product. And so I get in the room and I just want to tell you all about it, Sophie. Um, (laughs) And I use 25 you know, maybe a little bit of small talk at the beginning. And then maybe I ask one question at the, and then all of a sudden I'm off onto my pitch because I'm so passionate. Yeah. And, you know, we're at the 29 minute mark and I'm still, you know, any questions, they ask one question, then I give a very long answer uh, because I'm so passionate about my product. And then all of a sudden, you know, the meetings end. Well, that was interesting. Yeah. Let me get back to you. You know, all talk, which it's great to be passionate about your product. There is a time and place in that 30 minutes to do that, right? But they skip two of the most important parts. One is, as you've articulated, that opening line of questioning to determine needs and yeah. pain points. Yeah. And through your questions and articulation, say it in such a way that they're clear on what their real needs are. Um, and then at the end, again, just shutting up and being quiet again and asking questions. What do you think? Where are you at? Do you see how this mm-hmm. meets your need you talked about earlier? And then get them talking again at the end 
so you know where you are on the close. Any comments on uh, that scenario or that mistake people make? Yeah, we used to call it like show up and throw up. And it's okay. So here's another thing about managing your emotion, right? Excitement is a, is a powerful emotion like anger and rage. And you need to be able to dial that way back. It's not about you. You it the first, mm. the, the first two thirds of a sales meeting, the client should be talking more than 66% of the time. Well said, you know, and then the last third of the sales meeting or how, or, or the process, the salesperson talks. So you have to like, it's like I have two glasses of water. I used to do this in my classrooms, you know, and the glass of waters are like half full. I mean, you want to be asking the client questions so they keep pouring their water out. So by the end of the time you're done asking your questions, their glass is completely empty. And now you can fill it back up with the solution. Mm. But you don't actually get to tell them like you can't pour your glass until theirs is completely empty because they're actually not even ready to hear it. I love so, that. That's a great way to teach that, the, gla the two glasses idea. I hadn't heard of that. Yeah. Oh, very good. Okay. Now, how about the mindset? You intrigued me on that. You said that's a little trickier. What do you do to help people in their mindset? So it's a that's, so that's more coaching, I would okay. say. And I feel like this is where our sales teams and sales leaders tend to fall down a little bit because they're not necessarily taught how to get into someone's mind and ask those kinds of questions. It's a different line of questioning. So it's like, um, I used to do it in role plays, like fishbowl role plays. So we'd have a circle of people and then I would have two people in the, in the middle and we would go through a scenario. And if the person was jumping too fast to trying to pitch their solution, I'd be like, okay, what happened here? What's going on in your mind right now? What, what, what are you nervous about? Like, what's, what's the concern? And they, and I have to like coach them in the moment and everyone in the room actually gets to see what's going on. And the, I can be like, did you feel what just happened? Did you, what did you feel? And we have a dialogue and a debrief about the specific interaction. Love it. Yeah. yeah. And that's one of my favorite things to do, actually, to be honest with you, because it's a group and everybody gets engaged in it and they can see themselves in it. And that's where the learning gets to be uh, tangible. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's, it's it's all theory until you can actually practice it and get live feedback. And then to your point, the the other learners can see it live as well uh, and hopefully learn from that as they're more aware and open. Uh, very good. For, Let's go ahead, Sophie. It's easier for them to learn as an observer than it is to learn on the hot seat. You actually see it first as the observer. The person mm -hmm. on the hot seat sees it last because they're in it and the, the emotional body is activated. But the people who are observing they get it very quickly. It happens like this. And then they tried in, in the role play and they often fall down. <laughs> and, and then that becomes a time of slowing everything down and letting people have, okay, right. This is when you put this in and this is when you put that in. And it's like, it's like slicing and dicing the conversation so they can reprogram their mind to do it differently next time. It's a practice thing. It's a practice thing. Uh, well said. Yeah. Um, Sophie, this has been fascinating, and I know this is only part and parcel of what you teach, but I wanted to deep dive in those topics because I thought they might be interesting to these li listeners. But um, hopefully people want to hear more. Where do they find you? Email, website, whatever you want to give. Yeah, email is probably the best. S is in Sam, D is in David, at sophietalks.com. That's S-O-P-H-I-E-T-A-L-K-S.com. Well done. Sophie, thank you so much for joining us today and really appreciate your insights and 
hope listeners will uh, sign up, send you an email and find out more. Have a great day. You too. Cheers. Cheers.